The goal, explain the 1990s in exactly 60 songs. The result, we did it. I'm Rob Arvilla. I host 60 songs that explain the 90s, which has indeed covered 60 fantastic songs thus far from Tupac to Radiohead to TLC. So let's do 30 more. Let's do 90 songs. No, we're not changing the name. More rad songs, more special guests, more astute critical analysis, more loopy nostalgic exuberance. That's 60 songs that explain the 90s every Wednesday only on Spotify. It's the Ringer NBA show presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find out what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available. And listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 years and older, 18 and older in D.C., and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. Whether it's taking all your little ones to their sporting events or everybody getting together and taking a ride to the beach, the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped for any adventure. With features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Real ones. Logan Murdoch here. Roger Bell there. Um, we are talking to you on the morning before Game 5 of the of the NBA Finals, of the 2022 NBA Finals. Damn, I'm getting old. Um, Raja, I wanted to talk to you because I, I listened back to the old pod, um, or the pod from last week, and it was very doom and gloom. Um, it was very like, I don't know if the... You you reluctantly picked the Warriors because I picked the Celtics because mm-hmm. I thought that the you know the Celtics were just going to take control of the series and um, you know we were it was, it was a bit of an in the moment pod you know stuff like uh, that happens. Uh, I mean, could have yeah. I I think I mean listen, I listeners can make their own determination, but we talked about what was happening in that series and. I told you a Golden State was going to have a chance to win that game. Late, they were going to be right there, and it was whether or not they Wait, had the legs or not. Should I look at the text? Hold on. Like, I should look at the text because you texted me during this um, during game four. Let me see. Um, like, and I told you so. Yes, this is where this is what I get at Friday, 8.14 p.m. Raja, right where I told you they'd be. But let's see if they have the gas. They look a little bit fresher than Boston right now. This was like going into the fourth quarter. That's what it was. That, that's kind of what I thought. Look, that yes, Boston manhandled them in game three. And you knew a team like Golden State was going to bounce back. Like they have just high character championship proven dudes and coaches. The question was going to be whether or not they could stay fresh enough down the stretch. Because that was the difference in game three for, for Boston is they had their mojo was up. Steph was tired. And it, it just... You know, for one reason or another, they couldn't get over the hump. And so they were right there. I mean, it was probably when I texted you that a tie game or they were up one. I mean, it was a really close game. And then it was yeah. just about whether they could close it or not. 
It was funny because game four was one of those games where it's the game that one, it's huge for a lot of reasons because of Steph and things like, and Steph's performance and what it means to go back, come back to the Bay Area 2-2. But more than anything, it was a game that the Warriors have historically won throughout the postseason. Just, we're just around, you know, we're going to stay, stick around for most of the game and our best player is going to pull us through. That's pretty much what happened. I mean, other than Steph, Clay Thompson got going. He made some big shots down the stretch, but during the game, he had to kind of find his shot. Andrew Wiggins was huge in that game. He was great. He was phenomenal. But I really think, Raja, game four was the best game of Steph's career. I'm just going to put it out there. I think it was the best one. And I don't even think that's even hyperbole or a stretch or anything. It's definitely the best game I've ever seen from him. But I definitely think it was it, when you bring the totality of it down to one, just where the team is, the Warriors. It's not it's not the Warriors of three, four years ago where, you know, this performance would uh, just be like, oh, well, he has well, Steph has Kevin Durant on his team. He has this this he has he has a whole bunch of guys he can go to if his shot isn't right. If he even scores 33, they lose the game. Right. Yep. This was one of those games where I I was talking to some folks and I, I really think it's it reminded me a lot of the LeBron game, LeBron against the Celtics um in 18, when he just put the team on his back. And it it wasn't the p- most perfect game. It wasn't great. It wasn't it wasn't the most perfect game from the Warriors, but from a singular star to kind of take them over the hump. It was it was a beautiful thing to watch, Roger. If you're a Golden State fan, that had to be beautiful to watch. I felt like, you know, there are a few times where I asked or I say, man, I wish I was working more. Like, I, w- I want to work more. But yeah. I wanted to pod that night because I wanted to be quick to the punch. I thought that while I was watching it. And I almost tweeted it. And, and I was like, you know, it's going to look like it's so late in the game. Like, yeah. don't tweet it now. It's going to look like you're copying people's tweets and shit. So I just put, like, a bunch of cold faces because he was cold. But I, too, felt like it was one of the best performances that I had seen out of Steph. Um, you know, the gravity of the situation, certainly. Um, the, the, the timeliness of the buckets and how yeah. they were just keeping them around or, or putting them up or just extending it to a point where, you know, Boston wasn't going to be able to crawl back into it. Um, and, and not just the offensive performance, but 10 huge boards in, in a situation where Two nights earlier, you guys had gotten pummeled on the glass. I think that the totality of his game, I think he defended better than he did in game three. He rebounded and provided them with 10 big boards in a game where you know Boston was going to try to double down on the physicality. Um, and obviously the offensive you know, performance, I thought it was, you know, if not his best game ever, because I honestly, I'm sure he scored like 40 over and over and over again, but definitely one of his you know, best performances and certainly as far as the playoffs went, it, it ranks up there. I also thought like you, you talked about Andrew Wiggins, like Andrew Wiggins was huge, like 17 and 16, 13 yeah. defensive rebounds. Um, you know, Kevon Looney, although he only had six points, 11 big boards, you know, you had guys who, who else, uh, Draymond was, and we'll talk about Draymond, um, but nine boards, right? Like, I don't think he's playing well. I think he would admit he's not playing well, but from a team perspective, they were focused 
on that part. They could not get dummied on that glass again. They could not get big boy in Boston in game four. And I think they took the challenge. And then obviously Steph did what he did offensively uh, to, to, to get him over the hump. When it came to Steph's game, we also got to recognize the gravity of the moment when he does it. And I think you brought that up as to why it was such a great performance. And I've never seen him that emotional before. Oh, just after just, you know, he was getting, there was some plays where he would just shoot it and he would fall on his ass and be like, yo, what the fuck? What's going on? What is what? And he's yelling at, he's yelling at people in the stands. I have never seen him do to lose, not lose. His, he, he was, it was one of those, those times where he's yelling, but still was within his composure. If that makes sense, you know, sure. Uh, but I had never seen him just outwardly express himself in that way. What does that do to galvanize this team? Because there was a point, you know, after game three where, you know, I was maybe I was caught up in the moment with like, OK, what's going to happen the rest of the series? What kind of calming does that type of performance put on the team going, especially going back home where you have home court again? Well, we've talked about this before. Number one, I think Steph was as close to crossing the line of being out of control as I've ever really seen him. Right. But still within control. Right. Because you get right up to that line. You're still under control. And then you're in this gray area where you're either one or the other. And then you cross the line and you're out of control. Steph was as close to that as I'd seen him. Right. But I think it was calculated. Um, And I'll get to why it's so important for the team. But I think it was calculated because usually that comes from from Draymond. Draymond isn't. Well, I shouldn't say isn't himself, but he's certainly not playing up to the standard that they're used to having him play to, right? He's not himself and right now. I'll say he's not, for, he's not himself. For one reason or another, I don't is. know. And I'm not throwing shade. But in his absence in that role, someone's got to pick that slack up. And if you watch the post game, Steph said, like, I wanted to set a tone with our team. Like, I needed to let them know that how important this was to me. And we had to be, you know, present and ready from the beginning. And so that's why he was so emotional. So to why it is so important for your team, and I've referenced this before, for the Jordan Poole, who could be sketchy a little bit in this series, mm-hmm. right? Like, just it's this is new. This is new for him. This is it's not. No, it is what know, it is. It is what it is, right? He's he's maturing into that role. For for you know, uh, let's say Otto Porter, who's been really good. He shot it really well in this series, but you know, I don't know how many of these situations he's been in. Andrew Wiggins, this is new for guys who are who are kind of first or second time around the block in this situation. And that normally take their cues from Draymond, Steph, and Clay. And let's throw Clay in the mix. Hasn't been himself, right? For the rest of the guys that are taking cues from those two, the leaders of that team, you need to know, right? You need to know that they are here. They are about that shit. And, and they are going to do their job. And you could still have guys be good in their roles without Steph doing that. But it certainly helps when Steph comes out and puts his stamp on the game early. He's emotional. He's talking shit to the fans. Then everybody on that bench looks around and they're like, oh, yeah, we're here. We're here for that. If there was any doubt, not saying there was, but if there was any doubt, there's none now because this is what Steph's on. So now we're, all, we're let's go. Mm-hmm. No, it was it felt like one of those reminder games. Like, <laughs> hey, you I will tip my hat to you again when you corrected me in saying that Steph is here for the finals MVP and it means something to him, um, you were correct. I think it's to some degree out of necessity with this team though. Like they, there's just, 
He's got to do it. But uh, that was one of those games when you say it was a statement, a reminder type of game. That was, that was one of those games. FanDuel is giving new customers $200 in free bets, guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. The NBA Finals are here, and so is your chance to score big on FanDuel Sportsbook. Throughout the NBA Finals, FanDuel is giving new customers $200 in free bets, guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Bet the money line, point spreads, player props, and so much more. Plus, you can combine your bets for an even bigger payday with a same-game parlay. All right, so it's all tied up, 2-2, coming back to the Bay. I want to build same-game parlay for Game 5. I see the Warriors fighting like hell for this one. They do not want to go back to Boston, down 3-2, having to win Game 6 to get it home for Game 7. I'm going to take the Warriors' money line. Steph Curry's a no-brainer to score 30 or more points, and Marcus Smart a dark horse to score 20 or more himself. The last leg I think I'm going to add on to this is a win margin of 11 or more points, which seems like a risk, but three out of four of these games have ended just that way. Just sign up with promo code RINGERMBA. If you haven't tried FanDuel, now is the perfect time to give it a shot because the only thing sweeter than watching the finals is cashing in on all the action. Join today with promo code RINGERNBA and turn a $5 bet into $200 in free bets, win or lose. Make every game feel like game seven with FanDuel Sportsbook. FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. 21 plus in selected states. First online real money wager of at least $5. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable free bets that expire 14 days after receipt. See full terms at fanduel.com sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com RG. That's in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, or Virginia. 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342. That's in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. That's in Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369 in New York. Tennessee, that's your red line. 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee or visit www.1800gambler.net in West Virginia. Quite frankly, Logan, if Boston is going to win this series, Jason Tatum is going to have to take yep. the step. Jalen Brown's been, been, been really good. Jason Tatum is going to have to take that next step. Or one of those two. Shit, maybe it ain't Jason Tatum. Maybe it's Jalen Brown. One of them is going to have to take that step into a, a stratosphere or somewhere near Steph. You're not going to be Steph right now, but you're going to have yeah. to take that jump into that next stratosphere of player. Well, sp- particularly in this game, game five, Monday evening in, in San Francisco, J- one of those two guys are going to have to have the signature game on the road, either Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum. We'll see what happens. But this is where you become a star. This is yeah. where you do it on the road. Let's be honest, man. No one's expecting, or maybe you know, people in Boston are expecting, but no one over here on this side is expecting Boston to go up in and win at Chase Center. Eh, eh. I'm not going to say expecting. So you are correct. I will let me. You're no correct. expecting. Expecting. I would. Is it possible? Would, Absolutely. Yeah. I'd I'd like to see the line on that. Um, I'd like to see the line on it. You I think on Fanduel. You can go on Fanduel and check out the line. I think there are going to be a lot of things going in, in Golden State's favor. Um, 
But man, Boston is one of those. Boston's one of those teams, Logan. Like Boston if, is tough. Boston is tough. It's been a great series so far. Yeah, it's I, been I, a great series. Uh, you know what I'm looking forward to, and I don't mean to cut you off, man. I, like I said this last pod, and I will continue to say that I've said I might have said this two pods ago, and I'll keep saying it. I can't figure out. Well, no, I can figure it out now. These aren't mistakes in pick and roll coverage. Remember, I said I couldn't figure out whether it was the call from the bench in mm-hmm. terms of your pick and roll coverage on Steph Curry. Yeah. Or if it were if it was blown assignments. Mm-hmm. And then I saw Ime Odoka and I read his lips two games ago and he was asking someone why they weren't up on the screen. So then I was like, okay, maybe they're just mistakes. And then I continue to watch, right? And I'm like, no, this is their philosophy. This is how they're going to play that. This is how they've said they're going to play this in job coverage. There's too much of a sample size now. We're four games in. Yeah. So now I can't figure out if it's just a stubbornness and unwillingness to change your coverage because he's cooking your ass in that, right? I texted you. Didn't I text you? Why the fuck is Marcus Smart going under every screen? (laughs) Well, those you did, but those were blown assignments, right? Like, because the drop coverage, he's supposed to go over and the big is supposed to be in a, in, in a soft position, maybe six feet off of his, his man who is the screener. And he's supposed to just be trying to corral Steph Curry into some sort of mid range jump shot. Theoretically, Right, you run him off of the three, and you don't let him get the layup, and you put him in this pocket where he's got to shoot this pull-up jump shot. But that's been that's not been good for them. And so, you know, some some coaches, uh, Coach Pop, and he is from the Coach Pop tree. His philosophy when he played us as the Suns in 06, 07, 08, was to basically do what they're doing: allow Steve Nash and whoever was in the pick and roll with Steve Nash at the time to score the ball and he was going to stay home as best he could on all of the shooters. Yeah. And people would be like, Oh, well, you know, Leandro Barbosa, Raja Bell and whoever the third shooter, they don't, they don't, they're not going to score 45 to beat you. And you're right. We rarely scored 45 to beat you. But if we all had 17 or 18 and then stat still got his and Steve still got his, we were going to beat you. And so, Maybe he's employing that strategy where like, listen, we're going to just continue to roll the dice that Steph um, over the course of seven doesn't have the juice to beat us with 40s, you know, in mid 40s and high 30s every night. Um, Or he's just really, really stubborn and he's like, I'm not changing. But in either case, you know, you're, you're playing with fire with Steph there. I would give him a variety of looks. I think any any NBA player that's that good offensively, um, if you give him the same look that many times in a row, they're going to yeah. figure it out. You got to keep them guessing. What do you think of their decision, uh, MA's decision to just, oh, we're just going to eliminate Draymond from this situation? Is it MA's decision to just say we're going to eliminate him? Because they do drop coverage, right? When they, they don't allow Draymond to live on that pick and roll. They're like, no, we're just going to give you the jumper. You can go at the top of the key and we don't care about you shooting jumpers. We really do not care. What do you think about his decision to just like, we're just going to eliminate Draymond from this series and see what happens after that? How do, how do you feel that they've done with, is that a, do you think that's a conscious decision or do you think that that's just Draymond playing, playing bad? No, clearly they, they have no respect for Draymond's offensive ability. I mean, that's, you can see that in their game plan, right? They're not honoring anything that he does out on the perimeter of the floor. Now, you know, where, where Golden State's usually good at countering that and how you, how you counter that would be, you know, if Draymond were to get the ball and let's say, you, Logan, you're guarding Draymond and you're eight feet off of him, like in the middle of the paint, right? 
Mm-hmm. Well, Draymond, we don't want Draymond shooting that shot either necessarily. But what Draymond then could do is take that ball and run quickly into some sort of dribble handoff. Yeah. And at that point, you're not attached to him. So there's no help for whoever he's dribble handing off to. Or if he rifles it to the opposite side and sprints into a ball screen, again, no help for the person he's screening for, right? So, you know, I think they've fallen out of a little bit of rhythm with that, Golden State, that is. Clearly, Boston is not honoring his his um, ability to score the ball. So I, I, I like that. But the pick and roll I'm talking about is the one that Steph Curry, and they continue to find it kind of a la... Boston in this seek and destroy. They're finding out Horford over and over again, and they're putting him in this pick and roll situation. And look, I'm not an NBA head coach. Emei Odoka's game plan's got him 2-2 right now. Um, going back. Like this is this isn't a bad spot to be in. You'd like to be up 3-1 short, not a bad spot to be in. So I could sit here and second guess it all the time. I just know this. Clay's been inconsistent. Draymond can't score. Andrew Wiggins' ceiling is probably about 24, 25 points, right? Mm-hmm. Um, not too many people wanted Otto Porter. Um, Kevon Looney's ceiling is probably 14 points. And Jordan Poole has yet to really put a stamp on this series. If the only person scoring 40 points a game is Steph Curry, I'm going to make him give up the fucking ball. <laughs> At least once been, in a, hey, is that, at is least that what you've been sitting while, on Logan? the last four days? Is, like, can you paint a picture of how you were watching this game? Please, how were you watching this game? Just with that in mind, after you know, throughout this whole series, has that been on your mind throughout the whole series? Yeah, I haven't been angry about it necessarily, but I certainly, as I'm appreciating Steph and the and the performance that he had the other night, I couldn't help ask myself, like, as the defender that was tasked with guarding him. Like, how long are you guys going to let me get screened and allow him to pull up right on the other side of the screen oh, without he giving was me any help? Looks. He was getting really good looks. Like it, was, like, it was one thing. They were not making it tough on him. Not at all. So, you know, I've said this before. Part of, part of what I would do as a defender, given the opportunity, was make your life really, really difficult. Um, I wouldn't have the luxury of denying Steph because he's got it in his hands coming across half court a lot of times, right? So... I don't have the luxury of doing that. But if there would be any way I could get it out of your hands, one of the best parts of my like arsenal was trying to keep it out of your hands again. So just being in like full denial and making you either work shot clock or go to spots on the floor you didn't want to go to get the ball back. And then I like my chances. But if I'm going to let you keep getting exactly where you want to go all the time, you never give it up. So I can never keep it out of your hands. Like that's it. That's a lot. And we're, and we, you know, we're sitting at two, two. I would just mix it up man. I'd mix it up on him. So we talked brief, briefly about Draymond. I want to get back to him again. What was your reaction when, um, when Steve Kerr took him out of the, uh, again, I think it was about six minutes. He brought like, to be fair, he brought him back into the game down the stretch and there was, he made a couple, Dray made a couple good passes down the stretch, but he did not play. If you took over the whole totality of the game, he played like shit. There's no other way to put it. What did you think when he took him out uh, and just put Loon in for this? When Steve took Draymond out and put Loon back in, he was desperate. He was desperate. His back was against the wall. They were down. You could tell it was something he didn't want to necessarily do, but or he would have done it, you know, before. But he had nowhere else to turn. And at the end of the day, he owes it to his team, his franchise, um, his owners, to give himself the best chance to win. And that was it. 
at that time. And so he pulled the trigger on it. But that's what I thought. I was like, oh shit, he actually did it. Yeah. Like, you know, like, damn, I hit you. That, you were like, yeah, yeah, he should. You're, yeah, he should. yes. Well, I was he calling should. for him. You should have got his ass out it's, in that game. He should have been out earlier. You know what I mean? But, but I applauded Steve Kerr for, you know, in a series where people were saying he was getting out coached and, you know, this and that. I applauded some of those moves. And, and that's not, that's not, not a big move. If that, <laughs> if that makes is, sense. Like that's I, not, not a big move. People, here's another thing. And, and Roger, you know this. You played in the league. Yeah. And like 2K, you could take him out in the second quarter and never play Draymond again and you'd win the game, right? But we're dealing with players' emotions. Draymond is a cornerstone of that franchise. It's a difficult balance to just take him. And also, if he's on, really fucking good, right? All those things. You can't just take him out in in, in the second quarter and just keep him out. You have to get, he has earned the right to have that chance to figure it out. And I was looking at him during the, um, when Steve took him out in the fourth, I was looking at his body language. I was looking to see like, yo, is he going to slap five with his teammates? Is he going to, is he going to clap when something happens or is he going to be, is he, or is he going to be out of the game? He did a good job. I think he was, he, I know he was pissed, but he did a good job considering the circumstances. I agree with you. He was a consummate pro. Um, because what they tell you, like from when you're little, is be ready when your number's called. Don't be over there sulking because you didn't get what you want. Like, we might need you. You never know. And so you better be ready. And so what happened was they took him out and then they threw him back in. And if you're over there sulking at all, Logan, you can't come in and, and be productive in those minutes. So they were going offense for defense, offense for defense. And then on one of those defensive, you know, uh, shifts, there wasn't another dead ball. So now he's in on offense again. And now he's able mm-hmm. to make a couple of those plays that you're talking about where he made some good passes, right? Yeah. So I thought he was fantastic in in the situation. Obviously, you're pissed, man. That that that's that would hurt anyone's feelings. Um you so also got someone be, like him who lives for that shit. He he yeah. breathes that shit. Yeah. No, you I mean, you know what the you know what the situation is, you know what the stakes, you know what stakes are on the line. You know you know that those are big boy minutes and but I would also say he also probably knows deep down whether he would admit it or not. I don't know that he's not playing well and that, you know, those substitutions sparked them in a way that allowed them to get over the hump. So, you know, the challenge for Draymond is to, to find a way to, to, to impact this series more than he's doing so far. Draymond's a really honest person, which is, I think, why people he's been both endeared and also kind of just pisses a lot of people off. I remember during this postseason, like, I forgot which one it was. I think it was after a Dallas game or something like that. I, we're walking to the press conference room and we see Draymond <laughs> fully in full uniform with some slides on and a smoothie. And he goes, Man, I play like shit today. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, You did. <laughs> yep. The cool thing about NBA basketball is that it's not one and done so that performance in the ncaa tournament or in the nfl playoffs and your team doesn't win the game there's no opportunity for redemption there you're out it's over all you got to do Draymond, you know and you i've watched tv and listened to the radio all morning and his name's on everybody's lips right like is everybody's bashing ass, huh? talking shit. Yeah, ass, yeah, yeah they are and, and, and it's listen, a lot of pent up there's a lot of pent up stuff too 
It is. I mean, I'm not going to front. Like, I don't know Draymond well. I like Draymond, but, you know, like, he comes at it, so you you become a target. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, and he hasn't played well. But you've got two games, maybe three, to, to steal a phrase from Dumb and Dumber, totally redeem yourself. So just get back to that drawing board and come out and figure out a way to make an impact on this series. This episode is brought to you by Arby's. It's 3 p.m. and dinner is still hours to come. Maybe lunch didn't quite hit the spot. That's where the new two-for-five-dollar chicken wraps from Arby's come in. Available in ranch, barbecue, and honey mustard. They're perfect for the afternoon snack attack or as an add-on to your meal. Arby's two-for-five-dollar chicken wraps are here for a limited time at participating locations. Visit an Arby's near you or order ahead on the Arby's app. This episode is supported by State Farm. Man. I remember when I first got into a car accident, it was pure frustration because I did not have State Farm. And now that I do have State Farm, it is an exclamation of pure joy. But the only words that you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. What do you want to, what's the, we've talked heavy on the Warriors this this pod what do you want to see from the celtics so i thought boston was in a really good spot in that game considering that jason tatum was eight for 23 with six turnovers and al horford um you know only had eight points you know like i there are some things that we've talked about over the course of the playoffs uh, in regards to boston and when they become this team that you're not going to beat you know, and that is when they're getting solid performances from or really good performances from Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, or one of them goes all the way off, if you will. And then they're getting something from Marcus Smart, who wasn't bad, and, and Al Horford or, or Grant Williams. Like someone else has to be doing it. Um, and so I thought in the absence of like, the brilliant performance and Jason Tatum playing great and Al Horford not giving you much. I, I thought where they were right where they wanted to be. Um, I, I think they just need to continue in late game situations to move the ball and play together. I think that it's reared its head on them multiple times where, you know, they just bog down a little bit and the quality of shots slips marginally. And that's the difference in that fraction of a percentage, a shooting percentage, enough to swing a game in one team's favor or the other. So I would challenge them and, and implore them to continue to move the ball, continue to run your offense. Once you get your opportunity, stay on top of the rim. Like I like when they're headed downhill, but when we're going downhill and we've drawn two or three people like Jason Tatum, like Game one, man, you had a ton of assists on on great drives, dog. Like, you don't got to try to be yo-yoing and finishing over those dudes all the time. So, like, when we're getting downhill, let's continue to move that ball. Let's kick it out, and now we're in a swing-swing situation. Someone should have a wide-open shot. Because um, they're still not – I mean, Andrew Wiggins is doing a good job, but they're still getting into the creases. Now you got to move the ball a little bit. And then the last thing I would say to you, Logan, is I've, I've harped on it. Like, I don't, I don't know how I can be any more clear on this. You cannot – show 
good NBA offensive players the same look for 75, 80, 85% of the game. You're talking about the best shooter of all time, an all-time great. If you give him the same look over and over and over and over and over again, and that's not a recipe for success. He's going to be cooking. And, And then it's just a matter of whether or not he can cook enough to win the game for them. Yeah. They also need to stop throwing the ball to the other team. I think that would help, too. I think that would help, too. Yeah, turnovers are killers for everybody, for sure. But specifically, the Celtics in this postseason. Um, And I think that that colors a lot of their postseason run. There's a world, in my mind, that the Celtics kind of run through the postseason, right? Mm. If they just, if they just, a game, a a series they can win in five that they kind of push to seven. Or, you know, and a lot of that has to do with mistakes. And a lot of that has to do with youth. And I've seen that in this in this series as well, you know, where they can, where championship teams win that game for. You got to do it. You have to do it. And sometimes I just feel like, you know, sometimes I feel like they're a year away, Rob. Sometimes I feel yeah. that way. So, I mean, and that, the, I I think it's in front of them for sure, whether or not they're ready to take it right now or not. I mean, we're going to find that out, rel- you know, pretty quickly here. So. There are a few things like the turnovers, specifically when you're playing Golden State, are terrible because you know Golden State that that's that's where Clay has been living, you know, like in those Clay's favorite sh- like shot in this series is a standstill spot up. Like he's had good moves, he's had good moves and stuff like that. But we, I feel really good. Like I get that warm and fuzzy feeling when he's just towing the line, not when he's running and catching and shooting a three, but when he's just towing the line, hands ready, and it comes to him. I know those are good. Like he's shooting a high percentage on those. So those happen like out in transition. And so a team that's as potent offensively shoots it as well. For 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 Boston to continue to turn it over and give them, you know, secondary break or fast break situations, that that's really tough when you're playing an offense like Golden State. But having said that, the turnover margin wasn't wasn't crazy like last game. Like it was a one or two turnover game. Um, threes weren't a huge discrepancy. Free throws weren't. Huge discrepancy. Golden State did to Boston what Boston did to them in game three. It might have looked different, but they bullied them. Like, they beat the shit out of them on the glass. They out-offensive rebounded them. They out-rebounded them. They, they just beat them up. And so, I hate to do this. Like, I know people think it's oversimplifying it. And when I say it to kids, they look at me like, that can't be the answer all the time. And I'm like, well, a lot of time it is the tougher, more physical team is starting at a place of advantage. Now, there are a lot of things that have to go right for that team to win the game, right? But if you're going to be tougher, more physical, and you're going to win that part of the game, you are at an advantage to start. Who has to play more desperate in game five? Oh, it's a great question. Um, Golden State? Hmm. Golden State, I think, because Boston is going to want to win game five. And there will be pressure associated with that. But you can always say in the back of your mind, I'm going home for game six and we'll take care of it there to extend to seven. If Golden State loses in at home, they're not going back to Boston and even in that series up. I can't see them winning two times in a row in Boston, if, if you understand what I'm saying. Like oh, no, they won, I, I, I won it, game yeah. four and then come back and beat them in game six. Like I don't see that happening. So I think Golden State has to be more desperate. They, they have to win this game. They don't have to, but they... 
You understand what I'm saying? It would behoove them to win the game. Yeah, they need to win this damn game. All right, man. Let's go into quick predictions right now. I think we said we got we got to say for this this uh, this game. Um, I'm going to go with the Golden State Warriors to win a Chase Center in Game Five. Who you got, Ra? <sighs> it's tough when this series has been really interesting. Um, I'm going to say that Golden State wins at home. Um, okay. Yeah, I'm going to say that. That's what I'm going to say. Like I don't. Were, I wanted, were you thinking ahead I, on that? Were you were thinking yeah, ahead I, about the series in general? Yeah, there's part of me that thinks that that Boston is going to come in there and hit him in the mouth. Um, but I think that you're going to get Jordan Poole play a lot better. I think Draymond can't play much worse. Um, he's going to play a lot better. I think you're going to see people play for Golden State. So I'm taking Golden State in that. And then um, I think we'll be, I'll be picking Boston in game six and then we'll be doing this again for game seven. So, Okay, well, you know, um, for sure. All right, well, no Raja for the um, Thursday Oh, show. wait a minute. Wait a minute, brother. Wait a minute. Hold on. I just got a text. So Uh-oh. as you were as you were asking for restaurants in Boston. Oh, let's um, get to it. Let's get so real quick, real quick, guys. Before yeah. um, before we get out of here, um, Lolo's going to Bean Town. So uh, I will see you guys in uh, <laughs> in Game Six. Uh, if you guys you know are around, just it's actually know. it's actually perfect that you reference yourself as Lolo because he says uh, this is my buddy Matthew Baricelli, uh, Matty okay. Hundo. Um, he says, uh, I'll take him on a culinary tour and, and, and pay. He said he'd pay, but there are two conditions. He stops calling you Rara. Wow. <laughs> that's, I, I guess, well, I guess, <laughs> well, shit. I guess that's not happening. I guess he gets, sorry, bro. Well, well, wait for this. And he gets me a ticket to game six. So, and those two things, bro. Oh, damn. Well, um, damn. But listen, we got some things for you. We got Neptune Oyster Bar, best seafood okay. in Boston. Myers right. and Chang, Asian fusion. Oh. Uh, uni, really good sushi. Strega, traditional Italian food in the North End. Um, and Copa in the South End, homemade pasta and salamis like duck, prosciutto, and what oh have you. Oh, my goodness. You're so going to text lace, me that bro. list at the end. Uh, yeah, at you're the, set up. You're going to text me at the list. Okay, cool. Good luck, Maddie um, B. Thanks, Maddie B. Um, so, anyway, rah rah. I'm um, <laughs> very excited for. Um, <laughs> Very excited for for this for this Boston trip. It should be fun, man. I'm gonna gonna um, yeah, man. It should be cool to go into the garden. Should be dope. Listen to me. If you get a chance, I'm not saying I don't know what your schedule looks like, and this isn't gonna be like a gourmet it's a quick trip, by the star. way. Too, it's a quick, it's trip, a quick trip. Take take a trip out, catch the tea out, catch the green line down by Boston University, and one of my favorite people in the world. I think they might have just sold T. Anthony's. Um, it's a pizza place right at the top of Babcock Street. Okay. Um, and Comav. It's called T. Anthony's, bro. It, they were, she was like my mom away from home in whatever capacity she, she could be. I was a knucklehead ass 17-year-old running around Boston, but she took a liking to me. Her name's Carmella. Shout out Carmella and company up at T. Anthony's. If you get a shot, Logan, run up. The slices are banging. Really good T. blueberry Anthony's. pancakes for breakfast. Um. Oh. Yeah, dog. Okay, Check I might lock in. I might lock mm-hmm. in, bro. I'm probably gonna lock in before I come back. Okay, That's cool. All right, man. Well, Boston. I'm looking forward to it. Let's 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 get it, man. Let's 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 see what we can do. Um. Shout out to Roxbury. We lit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> shout out to Roxbury. We're lit. Okay. We lit. All right. I think we uh we're going. There, you want to touch on any other boroughs? I mean, I don't. Need, they don't call them boroughs. Any other neighborhoods? Like where? where I don't know where any other neighborhoods. You be on Mattapan? Yeah, I think. Yeah, I don't know. You getting southie? down in the south, the southie? Probably. I mean, I'm gonna be real. 
So <laughs> we talked about this off pod. I've been watching a lot of the. I've been watching the Departed just in the yeah. lead up. The part is so damn long, so I'm just watching it in sections. <laughs> um, I'm not sure if, how real or not that is. Maybe I need to, I need to ask my Boston folks how real that is uh, for Southie. So uh, before I go, Southie. I need to lock hey, hey, you know, go down you get to Copley Square. Like, there's a lot of stuff you can go down. Go see the park, man. Like, a lot of shit. I'm gonna go, you know what? Comments. I'm going to go hit up. I'm going to hit up Big Park and see if he can just show me, like, just go on a big tour with Big Park. There you go. Up, you know? There you go. I feel like I'll be safe with Big Perk. I feel like I'll be good. Um, <laughs> I think I'm just I'm just I'm just excited for Boston, man. So you know, if you guys see me in town, man, just you know, say what's up. I'll be I'll be around, just around, just walking aimlessly around downtown. I'll just it is a vibe, there. a city that probably doesn't get enough like national love for like the summers. But I I mm. summered in Boston a couple of years, man, because I had to <laughs> because I was not doing my best academically, but. A oh, okay. really cool summer vibe, man. Boston. It's gonna be like seventies out there. I was looking at it, it was like oh, bay temperatures. Man. I was like, okay, all right, we out here. All right, yeah. well shoot. All right, man. If I see y'all in Boston, just come say what's up. All my real ones out there, all my Roxbury real ones. Mm. We lit. Um, so but see you guys Thursday. No Raja. We don't even know. It might be a solo show. You don't even know. What? what? Hey, I'm gonna be out in the Lone Star State, baby. We're hitting Where are you universe. going? We're going to Texas AM. We'll get down ah, with them Aggies, and then we're okay. going out to them the Horns, baby. We got UT on Thursday. Mm, you know what? I really like. I've come around on the University of Texas. I used to hate the University of Texas because I was a big USC fan, huge USC fan. Still, okay. like, kind of am. That Rose Bowl did a, was really was really hurtful. Really hurt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That we was, got like was a that, little bit of that was Vince. That was bro, Vince, Vince. Vince Young took my heart out, bro. Like, just took my whole heart. I was so juiced for the Trojans to go win. Well, y'all, and well, that, was, y'all undefeated in that season, too, weren't yeah. you? Yeah. No, it was one of the, like, remember that ESPN that year did, like, they had a segment every day of how USC would match up with the greatest college football teams of all times, like, every year. And, they, and USC won every matchup against that team. That's and then great. they went and lost against the against, <laughs> lost in the Rose Bowl, bro. That was hard. It was so hard for me to go back to school after all the shit that I talked. Yeah, I bet. You know, I you know I just talk aimlessly, just talk shit, and it's just ridiculous. And I don't, you know. And then when I my raps are not to be believed, it, it it's really hurtful. And then we got a little bit of revenge when Tobbs Gibson went and beat Kevin Durant in the Sweet Sixteen later that year. That was that, or maybe a year later. That was cool, um, but it wasn't. It wasn't the same. But all to say, like Texas seems cool. It has nice colors. Yeah, we're gonna be shot. We're gonna be throwing up them horns. We'll be doing all okay. of that. All right, for sure. Well, shout out to Dia. Shout out to you know all my all, all my little homies over in the in the Bell household. Um, you already know. So anyway, we will see. I will see you guys Thursday. But in the meantime, in between time, make sure you go check out our Bringer Slate of podcasts. That is the answer with Sirius Sohi and Chris Ryan. That is Weekends with Waz. That is the mismatch. That is the void. Follow the void! Kevin O'Connor. Um, and then you go, make sure you go check out some of our other stuff. Make sure you go check out the Ringer Music Show um, where Charles Holmes asks the question, did Kendrick Lamar flop? Huh? Relax. Um, and then make sure you go check out uh, <laughs> 60 songs that define the 90s. Make sure you check out Ringerverse with the homie Van Lath in front of the show and Charles Holmes and Jomi. Um, and uh, yeah, man, make sure you, and we're going to keep the propaganda going. Make sure you check out Black Girl Songbook with who? Roger Bell. Town legend, the homegirl, Miss Danielle Smith. 
Like she, oh, yeah. And uh, Boston fan, uh, Danielle Smith. I'm sure mm. she's the Celtics are putting her through the ringer. <laughs> um, make sure you check out. <laughs> make sure you check out R2C2 oh, with Roger Bell. Baleo legend, the Crestite clown, CC Sabathia. All right, man. We rocking and rolling. Real ones. See you soon. Holla. Holla.